0: You're listening to Ball Side, Goal Side, putting coaches in a better position. Hosted by Ed Heverling and Eric Debranski.
1: All right, back here on Ball Side, Goal Side, we're joined this week by Shane Calvert, the head men's uh, soccer coach at Lees McCray College. Uh, Shane, hope ball's doing well. If you could just uh, introduce yourself a little bit, talk to us about your background, uh, it'd be great.
0: Uh, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's great to be on here, both of you, and um, as far as myself goes, make it quick. I, uh, I've been very fortunate in my career. Uh, I've coached when I first started coaching it was back in the early 2000s. I'm getting kind of old now. Uh, coached at King College, which is now King University in Bristol. Um, then I went on to be an assistant at Tusclum, uh College, which is now Tusculum University. Um, and uh, kind of went through the high school ranks and coached at Dobbins-Bennett, Barnberg High School, some places like that. Um, got the opportunity in 2014 to go back to the college game. And, and I was a volunteer assistant at Clemson University and, you know, got to work for Mike Noonan and uh, with Phil Jones and, and Liam Curran, who were, you know, I learned so much with those guys. Um, after a little bit of time as a volunteer there and, you know, my first year there, we actually won the ACC championship. Um, so still got the, the beautiful ring that I wear around sometimes. Um, got the opportunity to go be the, the the head assistant coach at Walford College and work for Ralph Polson, who, is a person that meant so much to me. Um, you know, growing up, I got to, he was the person who did individual training with me, was a huge mentor in my life. I went to the Ralph Lundy camps every summer and Coach Poulsen's a big part of those, but got the opportunity to be his assistant for a few years and and that was fantastic. Um, opportunity came available that was best for my family and I, and, and I went to the Darlington School in Rome, Georgia, which has a full-time soccer academy there. I went there as the head boys coach. Um, we had three teams, the 19s, the 17s, and the 16s, and you know, you want to talk about a top-notch place that does things right. It was it was a really special place, and had always dreamed of being a head coach. And when uh, when Lee McRae gave me the the opportunity, I can remember talking to the AD and, and him calling me. And and when I hung up, I I just said thank you God, and and I cried a little bit, in all honesty, because uh, it's something I'd always wanted was to be a head coach. And going into my second season now, um, you know, it's kind of weird because I got the job just a couple of days before the season started in 2019, and as soon as we got through that season, we've all been this, this COVID pandemic and things are starting to get back to normal for us. We're actually back playing in the spring right now. And, um, you know, just excited about the opportunity ahead and and excited to be here and, and, you know, just want to, you know, keep doing what we're doing and try to make this program the best it can be.
1: Great. Appreciate that, uh, Shane. Um, Yeah. met you through uh, the Ralph Lundy camps and working for uh, up there at Wofford with Ralph Polson and actually, uh, you know, worked with one of your other coaching colleagues from Dobbins Bennett uh, quite a bit as well. Um, You know, so uh, really good to see you here today. Um, One wanted you to see one thing Eric and I like to talk to with our guests is about competitiveness and, and willing to, you know, the ability to compete. Um, What does that mean to you? And then what are some things that you do in your program to really spark that competitive fire with your players?
0: I think competitiveness is huge. I mean, you know, we all have read a million coaching books through the years and, you know, I always go back to John Wooden's, you know, his his pyramid of success. And one of his was competitive greatness. I think competitiveness really has to be a cultural thing. You know, it's hard to walk in and just expect that, Um, you know, you've got players who, you know, I've got players on my roster that won high school national championships and club national championships. I also got kids on my roster whose high school and club teams weren't extremely successful. So trying to create a competitive environment, you know, to me, it just means competing in everything. And it's not just on the field. You know, I like for our guys to compete for better grades for each other, you know, to kind of make a little competition of that. I like the fact that, you know, they just compete in everything because once, once you stop playing soccer and you hang the boots up, you know, life is competitive. You got to compete for a job. You know, when you go on a job interview, you got to be better than the other candidates, you know, so it's a constant competition thing. Um, we, you know, from a, from a training standpoint, we do a lot of stuff to where, you know, especially in our small sided games, if you're not the winning team, you know, you do a little bit of fitness, um, you know. And then we've actually started this thing recently to where we start every practice with what we call a one-touch game. So it's seven minutes. It's uh, three teams. Everything's one touch. If you give up a goal, you sprint off. Other team sprints on. And they're, they're, that third team's bumpers while the game's going on. But it just kind of gets practice off to a, okay, you know. I'm I'm here to get better today. I'm here to win. I'm I'm here to be, you know, to be the best I can be, and you know, you start to see some great goals being scored and some unbelievable one touches. We had a we had a series two days ago, to where we hit about four straight one touch volleys and they were all getting blocked or saved. And I mean, everything is one touch, so it's it's a bit of chaos in there. But the guys have a good time with it. So it, it kind of gets that fuel firing. You know, we'll train at 6 a.m. in the morning. It'll be 15 degrees here, and we go out and train in the morning. So it it kind of wakes them up and, and gets them going. And that's that's something that my assistant coach Taylor Morton and I have been talking about is how to make things competitive from the start. How to get that fire going and, and make it last. Because sometimes in games, if you don't walk out there competitive, you can you can get down early and, and goals aren't goals come and they're they're a golden opportunity in our game. So you want to make sure you don't give away one early. So.
1: So, so building from that, that's awesome. I, I, I want to maybe borrow this, but so are our listeners. Um, What's your field dimensions that you set up
0: with that? Uh, Usually we do 36. So we talk about the zone 14 area all the time. So basically two 18s right on top of each other. Um, and then we make it about 24 yards wide. Uh, so the bumpers are there, you know, every, and again, they're, they're active. You know, they're one-touching everything. And, you know, it's just – it's about being ready. It's the anticipation. And it's about wanting to score goals. You know, our goalkeepers, you know – don't hate it. I, I thought they would absolutely hate it, but you know they're getting to make great saves, and you know they're tossing balls that are getting headed in for goals, and, and goalkeepers can shoot too in this game. You know, the only only person that gets more than one touch is the goalkeepers, um, so they can get to handle rebounds and things. But it it gets really competitive, gets really fun early, and then it just builds kind of the the momentum of the session. Um, you know, we have struggled finishing inside the eighteen, and so this is another way of us getting a lot of repetition of. You know, in eighteen, time shrinks. You, you better get your foot on the ball or get something on the ball. And I tell my guys all the time, I don't care what hits them the goal if it's legal, just put it in the back of the net.
1: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I you know, us as coaches, we're always looking for something new. Sounds fun. It sounds like a great way to to really get the the players going. Um, so there, at least, McCray, you're you know D two school. Um, what is your roster size like? How many players do you have training? And, and how? And I know you said you have three teams going, but how do you divide them up, um, you know, uh, as we get into a our, our little bit about recruiting here with you? If you could just tell us a little bit about your program and, and the size and how you divide those players up.
0: Yeah, we have, you know, we don't do a JV team here. We have about 30. We we are going to be somewhere in the 30 to 32 range, typically with our roster. It's going to, it's a little difficult this time of year because, you know, you um, typically we have, we have our end-of-the-year meetings in December, and you know if a kid's not coming back or not. Well, now we're going to do those end-of-the-year meetings in May, and there's really going to be difficult to replace anybody that's leaving. Um, you know, but we do typically stay, like I said, 30 to 32 players. We like to carry three goalkeepers on our roster, maybe even four if we need to. Um, you know, we've had some – we've had a few unfortunate injuries this year, so training-wise we're down, you know, in the lower 20s right now. Um, you know, but it's, it's a great environment. You know, our guys are, are really adjusting to it well. The, the spring is different. It's just so different than what they're used to. Um, you know, and that's another part of, like, your first question, just trying to compete, trying to get these guys to compete every day and understand that, you know, this is where it's at. You know, there's no NCAA tournament for us this year in Division two. So our, our conference office did a great job, uh, Conference Carolinas. They actually came up with a modified World Cup for the playoffs. So we're all playing seven conference games. Um, and then when we get to the playoffs, this conference tournament is our national championship for us. And that's the way we're having to treat it. Uh, but we'll do a modified World Cup, you know, and, and our goal is to, to be at our best and to peak at that moment. You know, we're not our best right now. And I know that, but we also, you know, we have 15 new players on this roster that weren't here when I first got here. And those guys are meshing with the, with the players that were here before. And, it, you know, I love my guys. Man, I can't, I can't wait to get to work every day, to work with my guys. And um, I told somebody the other day that being a college coach, you're kind of a morbid human being. You, you spend all this time building a relationship and getting kids just for them to tell you goodbye every four years. And you spend your entire career hoping one time you win your last game and celebrate for a month and then get right back to work again. So it's kind of a a morbid profession we're all in when it comes to that. But, you know, I tell my guys all the time, you walk across that stage and I'm crying for two reasons. One, because I'm proud of you. And the other part is because I'm going to miss you. I've just spent 20 hours a week with you for four years. And now I'm going to probably spend 20 hours with you over the next four years total. Um, You know, so that's, that's part of that family environment that we have here. And part of what, you know, I think makes every little program its own own special, you know, part. And I think that's what we have really special here.
2: Yeah. My next, you know, this might be a loaded question uh, in regards to kind of what are the attributes and, and going back to like your background, it's such a cool background in terms of being at Darlington School, being an assistant coach in college and now having your own program. What are some of the attributes you look for in a recruit, maybe both on the field and off the field? And then the second part is how has, this time with COVID, how has that changed future recruiting? I know with everybody getting that year of eligibility back, how has that changed and, and maybe shifted, you know, what you're looking for in recruiting classes, maybe in 2021, 2022, and things like that? You know, when it comes to
0: recruiting, I, we've all watched movies, read books, and I always go back to the movie Miracle. And there's a scene in that movie very early on where Herb Brooks brings in a, they brought in the best players in the country that are eligible to play for the U.S. team. And they're going to spend three days at the trial. And after two hours, he walks into this committee and he hands them a piece of paper and he goes, here's the roster. And he goes to his car and they're like, wait, you left some of the best players off this roster. And he says, and I remember this always, I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right players. You know, playing for our program has got to be the right fit. We're a, we're a school of, you know, we're going to be close to a thousand students next year. If you're looking for a big school, we're not going to add 10,000 kids to our our student body just because you want a large school. You know, if you want, if you like the sunshine and want to be at the beach all the time, you know, we're in the mountains. It's beautiful, it's gorgeous, but you got to embrace the fact that we are in the mountains. Um, Our school's done an amazing job of changing our facilities. We just got a brand new turf field that, you know, we practiced on one time, it's so new. We practiced on it one time before we left for Christmas break and now we're getting to play on it and it's fantastic. You know, and our AD did a great job of getting that in place for us. You know, so it's it's really about finding the right fit. You know, we – someone made a comment to me, you know, about competitiveness with our players and stuff. And, and that's part of what we ask. You know, we just don't ask a kid. We don't say, oh, we saw you play. Here's scholarship money or here's a roster spot. We talk to their club coaches. We talk to our high school coaches. You know, it's our goal to try to get a hold of somebody, you know, that's at their high school. You know, I, I love to talk to a counselor or a principal or a teacher because I wanna know what kind of human being I'm getting. You know, I mean, it's, it's our goal to develop players, but we're also trying to develop young men into men. You know, I want these guys to be good good husbands and good fathers and, you know, good businessmen. And, you know, I tell our guys all the time, we got a lot of guys who have the aspiration of playing pro, and I hope that dream comes true to the, for them. But one day we all hang them up. And so what have you done? You know, What did you learn over your four years and your career at college that's gonna help you prepare for life? And that's the most important part, you know. I'm the most competitive human being you will ever meet. Ed will tell you that he's coached against me, even camp games. I'm out there, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, creating young men to be better men and getting kids their degrees really is the most important thing, you know. And if we we stay in our process, the wins will come. You know, COVID COVID has has really changed a lot of what we have to do now. Um, before, you know, we bring a kid in, we stick him in a dorm, he spend the night with the players, get to spend that time. We, hey guys, what do you think about him? He in division two, they can even practice with us one day, you know, and now no longer those, those options aren't there anymore. And so it's just really about making sure you know who the young man is, or if you're coaching women, who the, who the young lady is, you know, and, and knowing who they are, what their goals are, and making sure that that matches up with the environment you want in your program. And what we want in our program are players that want to get better every day, that want to embrace the challenge, and that want to be a part of a family. You know, a lot of coaches talk about family, but I think when you actually, absolutely dial it down to family within your program, it's real easy, real easy to be a part of a family when you're winning, when life's good. But it's real hard when you're not winning and, you know, when grandma's sick or, or mom or dad gets sick or your girlfriend breaks up with you your boyfriend breaks up with you. Those are the times you need your family, you know. Um you know, I've had a couple of situations that have happened personally to me since I first got here. And knowing that I have my guys there, you know, and and the assistant coaches that we have, you know, both Taylor and Ferris. I mean, you know, even goes to our administration, some of the other coaches in our department, just having that family, because none of us are strong enough to carry the world by ourselves. And, and you know, it takes it takes a family and it takes a group. And if you can trust that family, you can have something special. And I think that's what we're building here.
1: That's great. Yeah. Family is a, a big thing. Having your, your teammates and your having that support system built around you is, is great. Um, you talked about a little bit when you're recruiting as you're trying to reach out to the uh, high schools and the club coaches. You're trying to basically do a background check, it sounds like, and uh, almost three reference checkers are coming in for a job interview. Um what can you tell our, our listeners about what should players be doing, you know, to, to help that recruiting process? You know, obviously, you know, carrying a good attitude and being a, a good human being, like you said, is, is going to be important. But what else can they be doing to, to increase their chances or to find the right fit for them, um, you know, to play collegially?
0: I think it's important. I mean, communication's huge. And, you know, everyone watches ESPN and they say, oh, here's the ESPN top 150 football players. Well, there's we're we're not um, we're not American football, you know, and so it's it's more about the relationships, you know. Use your club coaches, use your high school coaches, use your friends. I mean, I got use your alum. I got a, an email today from alum said, hey, there's a kid in our local town who wants to play college soccer, and he's good enough to have played when I was there. Would you take a look at him? Absolutely, we'll take a look at him. You know, I think the important thing, is, you know, as players are listening or our coaches talk to their players about the stuff, is you need to go somewhere you wanted. You know, you start a communication with a coach and that coach wants you versus that coach is always kind of putting you off. Uh, And that's not a knock on coaches. It's just a knock, it's understanding that if you go where you're wanted, you're in the plan. You know, every person that goes and plays college, they were the dude. You know, they were the leading goal scorer on their club team and their high school team. You know, they haven't set the bench in forever. You know, they can't remember last time they got subbed out of a game. And they go to college and then that freshman year, they're like, what do you mean I'm not starting? And so... I think it's important that you use your resources, you communicate, pick up the phone, you know, call the coach. I get, I get 50, 60 emails a day easily on kids that want to come play college soccer, but I get maybe two or three phone calls a week. But the ones that call me, I remember more because it's not just me flooding. And, you know, there are a lot of great ways of getting a hold of coaches, but, you know, just use any resource you can. But the most important thing is make sure you're going to a place that's going to set you up for life. You know we there's some majors we don't have here and if a kid calls me and says, hey I want to major in this that's awesome. you know congratulations that's what you decide that's what you felt led to do and I hope you the best. but if you come here that's not the path for you. you know I mean and I think it's important too that coaches especially at, at the division two II, division three level that, that we're honest with kids about that. You know, I mean, we can try to find a path for you, but there's certain majors. If my school doesn't have it again, we're not going to start a major just for you, you know, um, where we'd all love to, but you can't do that. But I think it's important that you really do, you know, if you send a coach 10 emails and five text messages and five phone calls and he doesn't respond, it's probably time to move on, you know. I mean, um, and this year's crazy too. You know, there's so many kids out there that we've talked to, they're like, you know, well, the recruiting calendar just got pushed back for Division One. You know, let's be honest. Division One teams are are mostly full now. There's not many slots left. Um, you know, and, and if there is, you know, I, I literally had a kid tell me yesterday. He goes, "Coach, I really like your program. You're my top choice, but I want to see what kind of kind of financial offers I get from a Division One school." Well, buddy, I'm sorry, I can't wait until May. And if a Division One school still has money left. It's gonna be very it's gonna be very few and far between at this point, you know. Um, you know, at the division two level, I can remember when I was coaching at Walford and Clemson, man, I'd be done with 2022 by now, you know, recruiting-wise. But the best advice I got from one of my one of my colleagues was, hey, you know, division two, if you want the quality players, you got to be patient. You know, you got to make sure that you go through the process because they're gonna to want to stack everything, you know, everybody grows up going D1, D1, D1. And I used to tell our kids at Darlington all the time when I was coaching on that side of it and trying to get kids to go play college, take the number behind the D out. You know, focus on who has the right major, who has the right environment, you know, who's, who's needing a player in your position, who's showing you the love, who wants you right now. Those are the things that you need to look at, you know, and, and you know, we talked about Darlington earlier, but, man, I've got four guys on my roster from Darlington right now. I've signed another four for next year. I mean, that was a – but, you know, I, I vested those guys. I spent time with those guys, coaching. Like I know what they're going to bring, and they're going to bring that competitive culture that we want. And they're going to bring that being a good citizen, you know, and what we want. Um, but I think that's my biggest advice to, to players and coaches as you're trying to help these kids find places to go. Go somewhere you wanted, because that's – nobody wants to go and, and not have a sniff at playing. I mean, you're just not used to that at this age.
2: Such great advice. I mean, I, I tell, I tell recruits all the time when, when I talk, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a recruiting talk or just an individual uh, asking advice, just ask the questions, you know, ask the coach, the questions, if you, you know, if you're in their office or out, you know, seeing them recruiting, you know, ask them, what are your plans for me? You know, really, really dive into those, those tougher questions and, and, you know, seek those answers. Um, What does, and you touched a little bit, um, at the end there, what's your typical recruiting year look like uh, in terms of what does the fall look like? I mean, obviously, typically we're playing in the fall. Um, now we're playing in the spring right now, but what's, what's kind of the time frame? And then when does, when ideally should a recruit reach out um, to, a, to a college coach?
0: You know, it's funny because like every time I have a kid on campus, the, the question I always get is, you know, what's the schedule like? You know, and I'm like, well, let's pretend this is a normal year. Let's, let's fast-forward and say things get back to normal. This is what a fall looks like. This is what a spring looks like, because college soccer is different. You know, I mean, you've got you've got Division One. Some, some conferences are playing full year right now. Some are just playing in the spring. You know, even at the Division Two level, some of the teams in our conference played four or five games in the fall and then are playing their full schedule. Um, you know, but it's it's one of those things to where, you know, you, you're, you're spot on with, with people need to ask questions. You know, I mean, how do you see, don't, don't be afraid to ask, you know, I mean, it's, and and I've even told some other coaches this. you know, every time we all get an email from international students, the first question we ask is what is your budget? But with domestic players, nobody wants to do that, you know? So it's one of those things to where, you know, a a typical, a typical calendar year, you know, at the division two level, you know, would I love to hear from a bunch of juniors? Absolutely. You know, but I also know that that a lot of juniors want to, want to see if they have the opportunity to play Division One first, first. And the players that we want to go after to make our program better are players that, that Division One schools are looking at. Um, you know, we're starting to get emails for 2022 right now, and that's great. You know, as we go into the summer circuit, you know, we'll hit, we'll hit things like regionals, you know, and we'll go to nationals. And, you know, if they have them, which is a big caveat this year. Um, yeah, but we'll start hitting that recruiting trail. You know, we'll, we'll hit the camp circuit. You know, there's, there's a lot of really good ID camps out there. You know, and I've told people too, you know, if you're going to an ID camp, make sure there's more than one school there. Because if there's 30 kids at that ID camp, that school's only going to be able to offer three or four of you at most. But if there's another coach that's there, that may not be why you went, but you'd be surprised at how many times you can say, hey, that wasn't why I went to this ID camp at, at X, you know, university. But now Y university is, is where I want to be because I, I got to meet that coach and that coach got to see me and that coach wants me. Um, you know, so I think that's important. But as we get into the fall, you know, we really try to, for the most part of the fall, we're focusing on us. You know, I mean, that, we gotta, we, that's the roster we're going to have for our championship season, and we got to focus on it. Um, as the season winds down, you know, then you'll start looking at going to some of the bigger showcases. You know, it is, being a Division II team, it's not easy to, to fly all over the world and go all these places. So, you know, I've had, I've had parents a lot of times ask, you know, why don't you go to a bunch of high school games? I can go to a high school game and see two, maybe three players that, that are going to be the ones we want to recruit, or I can spend the same amount of gas money and sit at a club field all day and see 50 kids that, you know, are potentially we're going to recruit. So going to the, some of these showcases is important, you know. And before you go to the showcase, email that coach. I've had so many emails that come through that said, hey, coach, I'm going to this showcase. Please come see me play. Well, you don't tell me what team you're on. You don't tell me your schedule. And you don't even tell me what jersey number you're wearing. You know, so, you know, if you're going to shoot that email out to a coach, say, hey, coach, I'm playing at this tournament on these dates. You know, my team is playing at field four at 8 a.m., field five at 6 p.m. I'm wearing number seven, and I'm anticipating that I'm going to be playing in the attacking mid or the eight roll." You know, um, just be as, as clear as you can, because when those – you guys have seen it. When those schedules come out for a showcase, I mean, there's there's ten different U19 brackets – we got to go all searching for trying to find a kid. And, and if we've got that information, it's easier to put that spreadsheet together, you know, because I, you, you guys probably do it too. We show up to a tournament, and I've got one assistant going here and another assistant going there, and I'm going here, and then he's calling me to come over here and see this kid because he really likes him. And, you know, then you're seeing your buddies who are coaches that you want to catch up with, you know. um, But, you know, I think, you know, the communication part is, is really big. But, you know, we're, we're starting to see people from, from 2022 starting to email us. Um, the important thing, too, is I've had a few emails in the last two weeks from kids that are that are sophomores right now, and as badly as I want to say, hey, thank you very much for your email, I can't. You know, we can't respond back to those, you know, unless it's with a camp brochure, and, and that's not what we want to be about. Um, so if you are a sophomore in high school, it's great that you're throwing your name out there, but also be patient. Don't, cut, don't count any schools out who don't call you back right now, because legally we can't, and those schools that do call you back, you probably don't want to go to, you know, so...
2: No, that's fantastic. What is, I guess when it comes to recruiting positions and do you really focus on the formation you're trying to fill for your program or do you really recruit based on Hey, this, I don't, maybe I don't need a 10, but this is, this, this 10 is fantastic. And, and he wants to be at least like, how does that go about filling those, those depth roles, the roles, you know, on your roster that, that really provide you the depth and then those impact players, is it based on the formation? Is it based on, you know, needs? Is it, how do you kind of go about and what's your philosophy with, uh, with filling those needs?
0: Our philosophy here is, is we're going to get the best players we can, you know, and, and we tell kids when you come here and this is an old Ralph Polson saying, you know, Go play left wing, go play left back. Just don't play left out. You know, if I, what we try to do is get the best players we can here. You know, we look at, at depth, you know, we know when we need to get, you know, outside of goalkeeper, you know, we're, we're creating the best field players. we can. when it comes to goalkeeper, that's kind of the one trick pony you have to go after. Um, but it's, you know, we go get the best players we can. And when we get those players here, you know, hey, this is, look, you know, you may have been a center mid, but now we need you to play right back. But if you play right back, you're gonna get to play. If you're going to try to play center mid, you're going to be coming off the bench, not getting a whole lot of time. And I think that does change by different places. You know, I think if you're at a, if you're an ACC school, you know, you're, you're probably recruiting by position. You know, I mean, we know we know certain times, you know, center back was a big need for this year. So we went and signed two center backs, you know. But the, the important part about that too is, is that both the center backs we, we signed, one could play as an outside back anywhere and the other one could play in the midfield as well. So, you know, once we get the team we're going to have in, it's then about finding the best 10 field players who gel together and figuring a way to get them on the field. You know, we we're not established enough to be able to say, okay, we're always going to play a full four, two. We're always going to be in a four, three, three. We're always going to play the false nine. We're always going to play a three, four, three. So what we do now is, is we get the best players we can. And when the dust settles and we get into preseason, you know, we figure out how we're going to be best. And sometimes that takes a few games in. You know, we've, we've been playing one formation this year, and, you know, we, we've talked about changing it at some point, you know, um, just to see if it fits our personnel. And sometimes, you know, at a school at our size, sometimes injuries cause you to have to change your formation. You know, if I've got, if I got two really good center backs and then I don't have a third one, and then we start to, you know, we lose a center back or I don't have any outside backs. You know, I literally told my assistant the other day, you know, if, when teams are struggling don't have good outside backs, you're just banging your head on the wall trying to make one. So maybe go to three backs in the, you know, three back system. So we really try to fit our personnel that we have to be the best we possibly can be. And it's, it takes some time. You know, I think that's why we're a type of team that as we go forward in this program, we're probably going to be the ones that are better come October than we are in August, because we got to figure out who we are and what's our best option. You know, we brought in 15 players the first year, Um, And we've signed 12 already for next year. So we talk about a roster of of 30 to 33, you know, we're, we're flipping this roster, you know, pretty heavily right now. Um, But that's, you know, and the the COVID thing is really throwing things into a, into a whammy. You know, I got kids that are, that are scholarship players who want, who have earned that right. And want to take that opportunity to play another year. And, you know, a couple that are, have aspirations to play the next level. And we've told them, Hey, you know, my personal opinion, it's always great to be set up to graduate in December if you're trying to play at the professional level, because you get a full season in, you're at your, you're at your best fitness-wise, you're at your peak soccer IQ-wise, you've just played a full season, you know, you're leaving the field in November, or, or if you're fortunate enough, sometime in December, if you're deep in the NCAA tournament, and then you walk into the combines, and you walk into the tryouts, and they're all happening in late December and January. Um, you know, and I think that's a, that's a big piece of it as we try to create a journey for our players. You know, we, we do a journey path for each individual player, and it may be – I may have a player come and say, look, I want to be a doctor. And, you know, so his path is not going to be just soccer specific, but here's how you're going to play soccer over the next four years and, and get better and help this program. But here's how we're going to prepare you. We're going to prepare you for, you know, med school. We're going to prepare you for the connections that you're going to need to have. So through our alumni, you know, hey – you know, help get you into this medical school and things like that. So I think that that's, that's an interesting twist we have because we have a couple of our guys are going to come back. And uh, then you start to look at the roster, you're like, okay, well, he's coming back. He's only going to be here for a semester now. Do we go get another player, you know, that can maybe fill his shoes or do we wait until next year? Because our spring season is is just about development. Um, you know, we, you all know in, the, in a typical spring, we get our 45-day window. We get five dates on the calendar to play. You know, and those are all really about just trying to make yourself better.
1: So, so Shane, you kind of mentioned about um, the players that maybe can play a couple other positions and such. And, and you know, through some of my communications, I'm trying to help some kids get recruited. And some of them are, are asking, well, is it better that I play one position or is it better that I, I play more multiple positions? And how do I talk to the coach about, you know, that? What suggestions do you have for those types of players and how can they best – sell themselves you know um, for those multiple positions I, I tell them that it's a good thing they have a better understanding of the game they know a little bit better but they feel like oh I'm not specialized enough then that they're not going to look at me yeah
0: I think that's also personality of coaches you know and the programs that you're at you know us personally you know I we had a kid that we signed and, and when I was talking to him I said you know you're, you're a very good forward you know, but I could see you potentially playing on the wing. And he looked at me, he goes, I'll play anywhere. He said, I'm, I'm probably not very good as a goalkeeper because I can't catch, but I'll play there if you ask me to. And that's the mindset you need to have. You know, it, again, it's based on programs, but if you if you go to a school that plays, let's just say a four-three-three, since so that's probably the most popular formation. You, you sign with a school that's got two center backs that started every game as a junior. Well, your freshman year, if you're going to see the field, it's probably not going to be a center back. You know, or if you've got – if you're going and you, you say, I'm just a number nine, and, you know, the school's got a number nine coming back that banged in 15 goals last year, I'm not pulling that guy off the field. You know I mean? He, he's proven. He's proven he can knock the ball in the back of the net. Um, you know, so I think it's important that when you're having – again, we talked about communication earlier. When you're having that communication with coaches, hey, coach, you know, I, I fancy myself as an attacking midfielder, but I'm very comfortable playing, you know, as, as the eight or the six. I can play out, you know, as an outside back if you need me. But I think my best position is this, but, you know, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to help this program. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we want to hear as coaches, that a kid's coming in, and it's not about me, 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 it's about us. You know, how can I – what can I do to make our program better? What can I do to make our season a success? Not, hey, what can I do to make myself – just myself better and, and be selfish about it.
2: You know, such, again, such great, great advice. How, how do you specifically going to now your current players a little bit, how do you specifically go about evaluating and providing them feedback? Um, whether it's throughout the fall season or the spring season, is that individual meetings? Is that the team meetings? I know you, you just touched on like the journey path. Is that a part of it? Is, you know, what's, how do you go about, you know, communicating that to your players?
0: In a, in a t- again, let's go back to a typical year, you know, because, you know, we hope we're all back into a typical fall, spring this upcoming year. You know, once we finish preseason, we do individual meetings before the season starts. And so we will do our preseason because we want to give chance opportunity. Then we talk to those guys, say, OK, you know, listen, right now coming out of preseason, this is where we see you. You know, I've told kids in the preseason before it happened last year. Look, you know, I need you to work hard, but chances are I'm probably going to redshirt you this year. You know, um, there was there was one young man in particular that in our, my first season here, I looked down the bench in about three or four games and was like, that's the guy I need to put in. But if I put him in right now, he's going to play 20, 30 minutes in his whole in his whole season. And that's not fair to the kid, you know. Um, my my typical thing, if I don't think a kid can, you know, in a typical season, we're playing 17, 18 regular season games. If I don't see a kid playing five, five games worth of minutes and they're a freshman, you know, I, I try to hold them you know, because that's just not right to them. That way they can at least play in the grad school if they want to. It doesn't always work that way, but we try. Um, but we do individual meetings at the end of the preseason, um, you know, and we have an open-door policy. You know, we, you know, WhatsApp with, so with international guys and text messages, we're constantly talking with guys. You know, the one thing that I always talk about our guys, so if, if you're going to text me about your playing time or where you're at, you know, I want you to text me, Ferris and Taylor. Let's get the whole staff on that text message chain. And I tell our guys all the time, I and mean, I'm a brutally honest person, and sometimes that gets me in trouble. But if you walk in my office and say, hey, you know, why am I not playing? I need you to come in with a mindset to listen, you know, because I'm going to tell you why I personally feel like you're not playing. You know, if I was recruiting for golf, it's easy. If I shoot a 75 and you shoot a 73, you're better than me. You know, that's <laughs> there's a statistical number. You know, but in soccer, we can't do that. It's eye of the beholder. I may think you're beautiful. Somebody else may think you're, you're, you're awful. Um, but it's important that a player knows how you see them in the process and what their process is, you know, and, and I mean, I, one time when I I won't say where I was coaching and this was probably not the nicest thing to do. I had a player that pounded me, thought he should be starting. And I finally looked at him. I said, okay, who should you be starting over? And he told me the player's name. I said, okay, hang on a second. So I went out in the hallway, yelled for that player. I said, can you come in here and meet with us? I was like, he thinks he should be starting over you. So tell me why, because you know, don't compare yourself to other people. You got to be the best you you can be, and you know I I remember being a kid and you know always looking at the guy that was scoring more goals than me, and I tried to do stuff that he does. Well, the guy that scored more goals than me in my club team. He was lightning fast. I wasn't, you know, so that wasn't gonna be part of my skill set. So, you know, being the best you can be, being the best version of you, and improving what you do well, improving, you know, trying to get better at the things that you struggle at. I think that's important, and you know don't be afraid. I mean, we're all human beings, man. I mean, I, I, you know, we're sitting here having a chat and having a good time and, you know, our door's always open. So go talk to your coach, go ask him, don't say, Hey, I should be playing more. Don't say, why am I not playing? Go say, Hey coach, you know, look, I'm not playing the minutes that I want to. What do you see that I need to work on? Because you can see things that you think you can work on, but if it's not what the coach's vision is for you. It's not going to matter. Now, what do you, what things do you think I can work on? And we had a young man that asked me that the other day, very professionally. Young man actually played for me at Darlington, and he came to me. and said, "Coach, you know what? What do I need to do? To what do I need to work on to get some more minutes? And, and with him, it was simply consistency. You know, he has he has one fantastic day at practice, and the next day it wasn't so great. But you know, be consistent. You know, I mean, it, it's hard for me to say. Okay, you were great. If, if you're going one day great, one day terrible, and you're great the day before a game chances are it's not gonna be your day brother so um you know it's it's important that you know we work and and since that day we had that discussion um last thursday and he's he's had several very good training sessions since then and put himself in position to get more playing time but i think having the having the courage to go say hey coach you know what do i need to do better not you know, oh, coach doesn't play me because I'm not one of his favorites. I told my guys that are I said, coaches play their favorites, 100%. My favorites are the ones that get up and go to class, work their tails off during practice, and give me everything they have and don't cause issues with this team and are part of the family. So those are my favorites. I'm lucky right now that I got a lot of favorites, but those are important things that, communi- again, we talked about the very first part, communication so important. Don't be scared. I mean, I, I go home and I eat dinner and go take a nap and sleep. And, you know, I'll wake up, brush my teeth, come on back to work. Same thing everybody else does. I'm, I'm just approached me and talk to me about it.
2: It's so well said. I mean, it's just, it's so hard because it's just the, it's just human nature to kind of compare yourself to another player and to your teammates where it really is. Like you said, it's, it's run your own race, try to become the best version of yourself. Each, each training session, each, each moment. So those conversations are so tough because like you said, it's, it's that catch 22 where it's you've got to compare against how you're doing against teammates, but you also are trying to help them understand, Hey, whether it's consistency, whether it's fitness, whether it's the tactical understanding of what you're trying to do, it's, it's really developing them and individually. Um, how has COVID kind of maybe not disrupted, but how, how has it maybe changed the way team building goes on right now? Because I know typically we could do, you know, whether it's team bonding, going to a movie, going to, going to different things, is that done now via Zoom? Is that, how do you kind of go about helping, you know, whether even, even just the individual meeting, you, you know, we were talking about, how, is, how has COVID changed um, that ability to communicate with your team in a group setting uh, outside of training?
0: I think the, the one, not even like coach-led, the one unique thing that really pops up to me is, players linger at practice more you know you're, you're having to go back to your dorm and kind of be by yourself and you know some classes are just online and you know when you go to the cafeteria only four people can be at this table you know and those rules are always all very important to have you know but that guy who used to get done with training knock his boots off and sprint to his car he's not doing that anymore you know he's lingering around practice and speaks more so I think a lot of it's got to do with that but I think too it's it's a communication thing you know I know I keep saying that word but you know, just, you know, talking to some of our guys, I mean, everybody's in a different spot with this thing. You know, I someone told me a few weeks ago, and it's so accurate, that none of us are are operating at 100% of ourselves right now. You know, we're, we're all dealing with, you know, my, my parents are, you know, my, my dad turned 70 this year, my mom's 69. You know, so there's that constant worry, you know, what's going to happen if they were to get COVID? you know, what's, you know, are they safe? You know, my, my daughters, are they, are they okay? You know, are they around people who have COVID, you know, my, my wife, you know? Um, but I think that, you know, and, and I'm a people person, man, I, you know, I love being around people. I mean, I, I love, I love the interaction. I mean, one of my favorite things to do when we go out recruiting is, is to, to talk to other coaches and, you know, see how things are going and bounce ideas. I mean, I talked to one of my, my colleagues the other day and said, you know, Hey, I want to come watch you guys train one day. Um, which is something that I love doing is going to watch other teams train, but you can't do that right now. So there's that part of everything that we're missing. So, you know, we, we did, we did a really good job. I felt, you know, during the, during the, the basic shutdown that we were all in of having zoom meetings every week with the team, you know, and, and having those guys, you know, being able to see their faces and talk to them, you know, and then right now, you know, we're, we're in a fortunate situation, you know, we've, we've got some facilities that are, that are big. So, it's doing little things with a team. I mean, you know, sometimes it's a little game thing, you know, I, I go ahead and throw this out there. And if my AD hears this, before I get a chance, I talk to him about it. You know, I thought about us doing like a little casino night with monopoly money, you know, just, just having some fun of it's things that they can spread out and do, but, you know, still sit there and have a chat and talk to each other, you know, and that's, that's really what it's about. It's about being creative right now. You know, we, we can't do things we've always done it. You know, I've, I told my assistants, even when it comes to scouting right now, you know, we can scout, but you know, we did the first scouting program. Oh, number seven plays here, number eight plays here, he's left footed, he likes to do this, he likes to do that. But we don't know if that kid's even gonna play. You know, I mean, he could be in part of he could he could unfortunately contract COVID or be a part of contact tracing. And and I told our guys, you don't need to be scoreboard watching this year. You know, one team may lose three to nothing to a team that you say, hey, that team must be terrible. But that 3 nothing, that team that didn't score a goal and lost 3 nothing, may have been missing five or six starters. You know, so it's about, you know, we're we're focusing on us right now. You know, this is about Lise McRae and, and how does Lise McRae get better every day? And how do we get ready to peak come April when our conference tournament hits and everything? You know, so I think that it's changed. It's changed the way we have to do things. You know, we can't do things the way we've always done them when the world's not the same anymore. And I think being adaptable is, is a big part. And, you know, I'm – I'm a 41-year-old head coach, so I'm very ingrained in the way I've always wanted to do things. And so it's, it's, you know, I have to challenge myself from time to time to get out of my old school thinking and to adjust to what we can do and how can we make the experience for our guys the best possible experience with where we're at in the world right now.
1: Great, Dan. Thanks, Shane. Um, that's that's good information, good uh, good things to think about there. Um, what, uh, you know, I. I what can you tell, you know, our coaches and our, our other listeners about just the, the the competitive levels and the differences, maybe not dis- differences, but I, I hear it all the time. oh I want to play D1. You kind of talked about it, you know, um, what, what is out there? Like you, you've worked at a bunch of different schools. You've sent kids from Darlington to different places. What are some things these, these kids should be looking for? I know you hit on it about like medical school and, and being able to pass on, but what are some things that our coaches and our, our players, our listeners can be thinking about when it comes to choosing the right fit, um, you know, uh, what what can they be thinking about in that decision-making process that maybe isn't just soccer-oriented or academics-oriented? What can they else can they be looking at that may help make a decision for what their best fit is for them to, to go on and play?
0: I've told a lot of recruits this, that, you know, I don't care if I'm sitting at the table with a kid who we project to be a walk-on and, and red shirt, or if I'm talking to a kid that I think might be the next Messi. You know, this is college soccer, you know, and as much as cheesy as you want to make it or, or however you want to go about it, it you are a student athlete. And, you know, as an 18-year-old, I just wanted to go and I just wanted to play and I just wanted to win. I could care less about the other stuff. But the important thing is, you know, I always tell players, you need to, you need to pick your school on three, three options. Number one needs to be, will this place set me up for success with the degree I need to do what I want to do? And that is the most important part of it, you know. Um, number two, do I fit in with the team? You know, is this is this the type of team, that is the culture in this team fit in with, with the culture that I want to be a part of? Because the transfer portal is the hot button item right now, but transferring is not fun. You know, you're talking about a kid who, who moved around a lot, and the worst day ever when you're moving to a new school is that first day at lunch. You don't want to be that dude sitting by yourself. You know, and when you transfer to a new team, you know, you're having to meet all new people. But I think finding a place that you can truly see yourself fitting for four years and a place that, you know, at the end of the day, that if you took soccer completely out of the equation, if if you didn't have the option to play college soccer, would you still attend that school? Would you still go there to be a part of what that school does academically, socially, location-wise? You know, I think those are the most important things. I've heard, I mean, I've heard kids tell me, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to that school because of the coach. Well, that's great. And there are a lot of wonderful coaches out there. But coaches leave. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm in my second year as the head coach at Lees McRae. I've only been here two years, you know, and I'm not planning on going anywhere. But I've only been here two years. So I got players on my team that are here that, that you know, a couple of them made the decision to come here because of the past coach. Well, the past coach, he and I, he's been very supportive of me and he's been fantastic since the day I got here. And I'm very appreciative of that. But we're not the same person. We don't look for the same things. We don't like the same type of players, you know. So if you can, if you can get a check mark off on all three of those boxes, that's that's really where you need to be, you know. I mean, I'm I'm one of those guys that you know I'll, I'll flat out say it. I pray about every decision I make. And if that's that's what you, I don't force any religion on anybody. But if if that's what you believe in, you know, pray about your decision. You know, where where should I be? You know, and, and I told I told people this as I got here. I know 100%. This is where I'm supposed to be right now. Um, you know, I mean, it's there's that old saying, you know, very southern saying, if the if the uh, if the sun rises and if the if the Lord lets me and the creek don't rise, I'm gonna be here tomorrow, and that's my plan. You know, I'm I'm trying to build something where we're at. I've got two really good assistant coaches who are very vested in the process, but you got to go somewhere that's gonna gonna prepare you for life and prepare you to be successful, because as much as you hear those stats and only you know. I don't even know what the number is, but the low percentage of number of kids that go on and play college soccer, you know, even, if, even a smaller percentage of that are going to, going to play pro. And if you go play pro in the States, you're not going to make enough money to live the rest of your life just off that money. You know, so again, we all have to hang on. I hope you go play, for, play pro for 10 or 15 years, but 10 or 15 years from now, unless if you were one of the top three players in the MLS, there's not going to be enough money in the bank for you to be able to live the rest of your life that way. So what do you do after you get done playing? And did I go to a college that prepared me to be prepared for life after soccer? And that's, that's so important. I mean, that's, you know, I got a 16 year old daughter and she's starting to do the college look right now. And that's, you know, that's part of the discussion. You know, my, my 24 year old daughter, you know, when she decided to go to, uh, to the school that she did, you know, we looked at, okay, who has the major you want and okay, is this going to prepare you to be successful in life? And, And she went there and she excelled and, and she's doing great now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of, of my two girls. They got good heads on their shoulders. But, you know, sometimes as a parent, you know, and this can go to parents to listen too. Sometimes as a parent, you got to guide the kids a little bit on this decision. You know, I, I hear so many parents say, oh, we're leaving this decision up to him. And, and my parents are amazing. I love them. They're, they're both my hero. And they've done so much. I can't even – there's no way I could ever say how grateful I am for the wonderful parents that I have. But they let me make the decision, and I don't think I made the right decision. You know, if I look back at it, I would have I would have loved for them to have been a little more guiding, a little more pushing towards getting me to go that right direction as opposed to, to picking a school for the wrong reasons.
2: Again, yeah, such great advice and, and and it's a really good segue to kind of what I what I was going to ask you next is what do you tell families and and recruits about the balance of academics and athletics? I think that you know, I always get the question in in regards to academics being negatively affected by travel by you know time spent at practice and and, you know games and things like that whereas and i i honestly think that they enhance uh academics with you know the ability to have advisors around you know obviously us coaches you said you your two assistants we're always looking at eligibility we're always looking at at a student athlete's grades to make sure you're on track you're on path to graduate what do you tell families that ask about that balance Uh, whether it's at least McRae or whether it's just in college soccer in general.
0: You know, we talked about preparing you for life. You know, you got to learn how to time manage, you know, this is, you know, we're a small school. So what I used to tell parents at Darlington all the time was we are a college basic, you know, we're going to teach your kid how to be prepared for life in college, but there's a safety net everywhere. You know, my, my wife was ahead of house at one of the girls' dorms, you know, they're constantly checking on their grades, making sure they were in class making sure that this is done and that's done and, you know, making sure they're at study hall as you get to college. And and what we do here is, is we still have some safety nets, but those safety nets are a lot more thin than they were in high school. You know, now you got to get yourself up to go to class. You know, we're going to get on you if you don't go to class. And, you know, our, our number one team rule is respect everybody, which means yourself, the staff, your, your players, the, the, you know, every single person deserves respect. And our second rule is go to class. And our third rule is refer back to rule one and two and you'll be okay, you know what I mean? So, you know, that's, that's the big thing is that, you know, as an athlete, you have that drive to be successful on the field. But if you're not successful in the classroom, you're gonna lose the opportunity to be on the field. And so I think it's actually a great thing that you can understand how to, you learn how to time manage. And as a freshman, there's so many checks and balances that we have and our school has to make sure that you get off to a good start. I'm going to give you the golden ticket right now. If you're, if you're a high school kid, let me give you the golden ticket to college. Show up, be attentive and participate in class and turn your stuff in and you'll never fail. Professors are human beings too. If you will show them you care and, and show up and go to class and turn your stuff in on time, professors are going to make sure you're successful. And, you know, and our school does a tremendous job of that. I mean, we got professors here at Lees McRae, that are, you know, hey, so-and-so missed class. You know, hey, so and so's missed these two assignments. And it's such a great thing because they care. They're not just sitting there going, oh, I don't, you know, if you don't pass, no big deal to me. They want you to be successful. They want to create that environment for you. And, but that's the golden ticket to it. Just, Just do those three things and you're going to be fine as a student. And, you know, you're going to learn how to time manage. And when you get, when I'm, if I'm an employer and I see a kid that has a resume where he played a college sport, I don't care what it is. If they played four years of a college sport, well, that kid stayed eligible, did a good job of managing their time the proper way, and has a higher commitment level than what most people coming out of college do. That That's the guy or girl I want to hire. That's the person I want a part of my team because if they can time manage and we're committed to the process of their, their program, I'm not going to have to self-motivate them a lot. And I think that's a big part of, you know, the division one, division two, II, division three, NAI, JUCO, it doesn't matter. You're you're proven to a, you're proven that you passed a marathon, not a sprint. You know, college degree takes four years, three and a half if you're really smart. If you're like some other people like me, it may take five and a half or six, you know. Um, but the thing about it is is that learn how to time manage. Learn how to be dependable by showing up, you know, by getting your stuff done on time. And I think it's, it's actually a better – every school I've been at, the spring semester, GPAs have a tendency to dip because you're not on such a tight schedule, you know. And so by being a student athlete and having that, you know, and, and you're, you know, you're wearing that, that school's logo on your chest and representing that school well, the school wants to be there, you know, and they're not going to give it to you. They're not going to spoon feed you. But they recognize the fact that you're doing something for the school, by wearing that logo and, and representing the school well. So there are, you know, use your advisors, use your, your, you know, your help, your tutoring and things like that. Don't, I think the kids get too much pride and forget to ask for help. You know, I mean, same thing I talked about earlier, come and ask me, you know, what you need to do to get more playing time is a great question, but come ask me. Don't just take the of the world on your shoulders. You know, use your resources. That's what we do as college coaches. You know, we got a full-time strength and conditioning coach. We got full-time athletic trainers. I'm not in there taping ankles and assessing injuries. That's not my skill set, but Luke does a great job of it. he's our trainer. And, you know, and so we let him do his job. Dylan does a great job in our weight room and he's helping build our guys to what they need to be. So I'm using my resources as the head coach, use your resources as a student and a student athlete.
2: Yeah. Again, such so, so well said. Um, and this, how have, and again, just your, your background is so fascinating being at the various levels and, and different positions. What um has there been something within recruiting that you've seen evolve or change over time? Uh, whether it's the, the increase in, you know, video, maybe it's, you know, because I always tell people, you know, maybe back 10 plus years ago, it, it was the belief that you went to a soccer field and you saw, you know, you saw a player there for the first time, whereas and now it really is them reaching out to you and, and really dictating your schedule based on that weekend of, Hey, I'm gonna go watch, you know, Ed play at 9 a.m. against this team, <laughs> and and then I'm gonna go watch, you know, so and so play at this time. You know what what you know what has evolved, what has changed over over time in recruiting?
0: Social media, man. And, you know, and and social media and text message. I mean, I don't know. This might this may come across terribly, and people may hate to hear this, but we probably spend. Between, between myself and my staff, we probably spend 10 hours a day at least texting with kids. We probably spend less than an hour a day talking to them on the phone. Kids are so more, much more responsive to text messages. You know, the, the good part of that is they respond instantly, and you can also see if they read your text message so you can make sure they're not ignoring you. Um, but the bad part of it is, is, is you can't tell emotion in a text. You know, so it's that fine balance of where you're at. But, you know, I think, I think the use of, of social media has been huge. You know, um, social media, text message, being able to, you know, we get, you do too, we get 50 emails a day of of watching videos. And the video quality now is really good. You know, I mean, you actually get to tell that that kid's actually wearing jersey number seven as opposed to squinting and trying to figure out if that blur matches up with the headshot that you got. Um, You know, but I think as kids are reaching out, you know, putting video in their support. If I get an email from a kid, there's no video in it. I mean, that's not to be arrogant, but that's a lot of time. I don't have to go try to research and find everything about you. I mean, shoot me a link. You know, I I love it when players send me a highlight video and then will send me a full video. You know, we all have highlights. You know, what do you do on a normal day? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not recruiting anybody just off a highlight video. That's going to get my interest peaking in you, you know, and and here's the other thing, you know, and I hope there's some kids out there that are listening to this and, and some coaches that can pass us advice on, be smart with your highlight videos. If I call on a highlight video and there's profanity going through it in the music that you selected, that's a big no-no to me. That's, that's, a, that's one of those things where, you know, that's not, that's not what we're about. That's not the type of kids we want in our program. I and mean, that may not be anything to do with the kid. You know, it may just be a song that he liked and didn't realize it, but be smart about it, you know? And, and for God's sake, please put your contact information in your highlight videos. I've gotten I've gotten them before to where, you know, there's there's no GPA, there's no email address, there's no phone number. And at the end of it, you're like, oh, I really like that kid. And you're like, how do I get a hold of him? You know? Um, you know, but but being smart, you know, put those highlights out there, you know. I mean, and and just be again, use that communication chain. But I think that's a big part of what what we all do in our social media world now. Like I literally asked my coaches, if, you know, probably six months ago, I was like, I was like, do we need to start, you know, do we need to have a TikTok account? Do we need to have a Snapchat account for our team? You know, and it's just you're always trying to evolve with the times. I mean, heck, man, I, like I said, I'm 41, I remember we all used MySpace, which is not the only thing that exists anymore, you know. I mean, I'm I'm the old crotchety guy still using, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not on, on a bunch of other stuff. And I literally hand my phone half the time to one of my assistants who's younger guy I'm like, put something on Instagram, put this on Instagram and say this, cause I don't know how to do it, you know, but, um, but being able to see that. And, and with social media, be the right person on social media, you know, don't post, don't post inappropriate stuff on social media. You know I mean? Everyone's entitled to their opinions and that's fine, but you know, you, you shouldn't be posting things on social media that you don't want your mom and dad to see, you know I mean? That's kind of the rule of thumb we tell our guys all the time with, if you wouldn't want your mom and dad to see it, then it probably shouldn't be up there because once it's up there, it's up there for life. You know, you could take it back down, but somebody could still go find it, you know? So I think that's really changed the landscape of what we do in recruiting is, you know, we, we send, you know, we send a message through Instagram. You know, we, we Snapchat a kid, you know, we, we do these things that I don't even know how to do anymore. I mean, I'm getting so old. Um, but it's it's the way kids are comfortable communicating now. And, you know, if, if you don't change with the times, you, you get left behind. That's what we're trying to do. Uh,
1: yeah. I, Eric and I are in the same boat as you. Um, yeah, we, we, we don't do well. He wants me to start a TikTok for the podcast. And I'm just like, I don't know what this is. And no one wants to see that. Um, my wife and I met on MySpace. So right there, you know, right there with you with MySpace. Tom was a good man. Um, you know, for our, our younger listeners are just like,
0: what in the world is MySpace? <laughs> Um but you know, of kind of, Google, not on MySpace. What is MySpace? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it, it's kind of good way at the end here. We're finishing up with um we like our guests to just kind of talk about maybe their social media accounts and how they can how our listeners can follow you or reach out to you and, and connect with you. Um if you could just um, you know share your accounts with us and, and let our listeners know. Uh I sorry, I caught you off guard on that one. Yeah, he's got to look. This is my MySpace account is myspace.com slash Shane Calvert uh Coach Cal um yeah if you have some of those you just want to share and then maybe some other things uh, you know that you're excited about or something Shane that you want to share with us that'd be great
0: I think you know honestly when it comes to social media stuff I mean I post so much anytime I post stuff it's you know and this is probably bad for my my wife and kids to hear but it's always about my team you know I mean I very rarely ever post anything else I mean uh, you know it's uh, my my wife's very fantastic very very supportive but you know, our, our anniversary is on January 3rd and we were sitting there and by 8 p.m. somebody shot us a text said, hey, happy happy anniversary. And we both looked at each other and went, oh, <laughs> yeah, happy anniversary, you know. Um, so, you know, we're constantly posting, so, you know, we Bobcat, you know, Lisa McCray Men's Soccer, you know, that's where I don't post much stuff on my own. I really don't, you know, there's not a, you know, is there a, a Shane Calvert at Instagram? Sure, you know, but, you know, as far as what we post, Bobcat United is a big part of what we did. Um, You know, we actually changed our our alumni account um, to Bobcat United. So follow us at Lees McRae Men's Soccer. You know, we have Facebook page there. We have the Instagram account. Um, You know, we have the Bobcat United account. And it just – it allows you to see kind of the ins and outs of our program. You know, we're – we have a very beautiful setting here. And so a lot of times we post parts of our training sessions. I mean, if you ever come here and see a training session or see a game, you know, in the fall when the leaves are changing, I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. Um, you know, as far as personally, you know, I. You can find me on Facebook. You know, Shane Calvert, but that's, you know, not a again not a bunch about me. It's really about about the program and the family we have here, and that's what we we use everything to post through that. And and to be honest with you, most of the time we're posting is really Coach Ferris is doing it because I'm still you know trying to learn how to do it. So we haven't done a TikTok account yet, so we'll we'll see if that would happen.
1: Awesome, appreciate that, Shane. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, it's been great catching up with you. It's been a few years since uh, we've actually like, seeing each other face-to-face is, well, I guess, screen-to-screen, yeah. um, but, you know, uh, happy to see your success, man, and, and um, glad to see your, your hard work paying off and getting that head coaching position up there at Lee's McRae. Um, so, best of luck as you move forward, and I really appreciate your time here today.
0: Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me, and I always end everything with Go Bobcats.
2: Our weekly show is brought to you by Athletics View. Whether it's soccer, football, basketball, and many other sports, you have a memory to share. Let us help you share that game or match through film via our video production. For more information, visit athleticsview.com, spelled V U E, or follow them on Instagram or subscribe to their YouTube channel.
1: All right, Erica. Great little conversation there. Um, just finished up with uh, Coach Cal there at uh, Lee's McCray College in uh, Banner Elk, North Carolina. Um, Division II school playing in the Conference Carolinas. Uh, he's the head men's coach there and, uh, you know, pretty good personality. I uh, didn't realize he had such a thick Southern drawl, or I at least don't remember the Southern accent uh, when working with him, um, you know, while I was down in South Carolina. But, you know, it, so I think he's just doing what he has to do sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it, that was a really fun conversation. Obviously, you know, really interested to get to know and and hearing about his program. And, and, you know, obviously just the recruiting process. Really fascinated by a number of things he said. Obviously highlighted communication a number of times, you know, and you and I have talked about it since, uh, since we started this podcast was how important communication was, whether it's with your staff, whether it's with your recruits, whether it's with your current players, just that honesty that openness and he said it so well that courage to have those tough conversations you know i think a lot of people just don't they'll they'll go off and assume their own their own stories and their own you know um you know factors and determinations instead of just going to have the conversation with the coach or the staff so it's you know really liked his um you know, his ideas and his philosophy, you know, I loved his comment. <laughs> He's like, you can bo- go play left wing, left back. Don't, just don't go play left out, you know, really finding a home that has a plan for you uh, whether it's positionally or, you know, you know, playing time wise, really finding a good fit. And, and, you know, just going back to it, asking those tough questions, um, and, and trying to figure out, you know, where that place is.
1: And I think that's something us as coaches can really, take and really listen to there because we need to not only train our players tactically and technically, but we do need to train them on how to properly communicate as well. And maybe putting them in those situations and and having them come speak to us and then putting them as, as just like training, we put them in difficult situations. We ask them difficult questions. We ask them, you know, or, or we have a difficult response form them that may, they may or may not like, but they have to learn how to have that communication and understand that it's not all roses and rainbows and all that, that, you are gonna to have tough, tough tough, communication battles, yeah. but how do you respond? Do you have the confidence in yourself to be able to understand who you are as a person, as a player to carry that con- conversation on and to really take and grow from it? Because yeah. um, as he said, it, you know, you're coming in to look for what you need to do better. Um, you know, understand that that's going to come with maybe some negative punches. Um, yeah. So you've got to take it and build from it. So I think that's something, you know, as, uh, us as coaches, that's what I kind of took from when I was like, I was like, man, I really need to do a little better job talking with some of my players about having those conversations and how to better prepare them to not only feel confident to go in, but to take that information, that criticism, and yep. then develop it into a positive
2: no, I mean, that's such a great point, Ed. And, and, and obviously he, he highlighted a number of times is that, you know, we're really trying to prepare them for life. And, and really that's a big aspect of it in terms of, you know, really engaging in those tougher conversations and really asking the right questions. And then, like you said, both sides being in a place where, you know, I can honestly take your feedback and you can honestly take my feedback and and really creating that environment. So, you know, like I said, really appreciated his insight. I, you know, I could talk to him all night, like, you know, in terms of just, just trying to, you know, get, you know, we talked about his one touch drill, the competition. Drill. I need to get, I need to get more of a, more information about that. You know, just some, some of the cool aspects that he has within his program and uh, you know, really look forward to seeing, you know, how Lee's McRae and, and, you know, seeing how, how successful he is over there um, through the coming years.
1: Yeah, it's a great time. And I think, um, you know, the one thing I want to finish off here with Eric is, is for our listeners and the, and the coaches and the players to understand parents as well, that, that athletics is really, like you talked about, the vehicle to get the education. Um, and at the end of the day, you've got to find your best opportunities and where you're going to fit in best. And that's going to set you up for future success. Um, and we can't just look at, like you said, eliminate the, the number behind the D and just start looking at what your best situation is to make you the best person and set you up for success in life.